All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have with us a returning guest, Amanda Warfield. She is an expert in simplicity-focused content marketing and launch strategies. She is not only the brilliant mind behind the book, Chasing Simple Marketing, which is what this podcast will be about today, but she's also the voice of the Chasing Simple podcast dedicated to aiding creative entrepreneurs in streamlining their marketing and business efforts. And then on today's podcast, we talked about why she wrote the book. We talked about chapters within the book, like buckets versus themes. We talked about the importance of consistency on social media and why most of us are giving up on it. We talked about collaborate with other people. We talked about how to test your content. How do you monetize your content and what led to the success of her book? So if you're interested in content marketing and how to launch a book, stay tuned because this is the 101 of how to do it. Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting. Acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right. Welcome, Amanda, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm really honored to be back for a second time. Yeah. One of the few second time podcast guests, which I always love. And then it's also awesome just because I get to see where you're growing and all that. And then like even with this, the whole book launch and everything, and it's officially launched, guys. But so let's even talk about that. Like, How has it been with the book, with the launch and everything? Like, Go through it. Yeah, it's been quite the experience as someone that loves launching so much. And that's what I love helping my clients do. It's been very interesting to launch something that's so physical because so much of what we do in this online space isn't tangible. And so that's been a really exciting experience and something very different. It's just like, oh, this is an actual thing that we can hold and it's tangible and people can get it from Amazon and then hold it in their hands. And it just... It's kind of surreal, actually, to have something like that. So now let me ask you then about like, why now? Why did you write a book? You know, there are quite a few reasons. One being that I had just always wanted to write a book. Honestly, that has been something that I've dreamed of since I was a kid. And another part of that is that arbitrarily, I really wanted to be published before I turned 30. And so the day the book launched was my 30th birthday. And so I, I wanted to just hit that goal. And it, I super arbitrary, but something I'd wanted to do. But it really came down to the fact that I felt like I had enough information to put in a book and enough to actually help those newer business owners, especially. And I wrote this book for the entrepreneur that I was when I was first starting my business. And that's something that I'm so passionate about is that marketing is simple and sustainable, but also achievable for everyone. You don't have to be a marketing expert in order to see results from it. And 
I wanted to get that information out there so that I could help as many people as possible with that. Yeah. And you definitely can see that. I mean, there is one chapter where you literally go over your revenue. Me in my head, when I was reading it back, I was like, man, I wonder what Amanda in that year one through two was going through emotionally, like mentally, everything, just because like you literally only had, what, I think it was a hundred dollars, right? Yeah. First, first year, hundred dollars yeah. in revenue. Which is like, I don't know how you didn't give up from there. And then, you know, going into that year two, and then it's like, cool, we did get to a thousand. And then from there, that was like the next big jump. Like what? Like, I don't, I don't know if we, we, uh, we talked about it in the book per se, but like what was going through your head mentally to be like, whoa, okay, let's just keep going. And we're going to keep batting down the same message, same everything to like push forward. Cause I feel like no. that's going to help a lot of people. Honestly, a lot of it was just stubbornness <laughs> um, and not wanting to give up on something and not wanting to feel like a failure. There was something like ego that played into that as far as like, I refuse to just give up on this because I really felt that this was where I needed to be. It also helped that because it was a side hustle at that time, I had the, and I was teaching, I was a, a preschool teacher and I had this cyclical schedule where during the school year for nine months, I didn't have a ton of time to work on it. And then I would get two or three months where I could really go like full time for a little bit and really work on things. And I think that helped kind of keep me going because there was always this like, oh man, in just a little bit, I'll have a whole week for spring break and I'll be able to go all in for a week. In a few months, I'll have summer. In a few months, we'll have the holidays, you know, and there was always this this time to look ahead to where I was going to have that, that time to make real progress instead of feeling like I was kind of floating and treading water essentially. But also those first couple of years really felt like I was just drinking from a fire hose where I was trying to learn so much and there was always something else to learn and something else to try. And I like a challenge. And so that also kind of kept me going where it's like, okay, well, that didn't work, but I've got this other idea that I can try and I've got this other challenge that I can try. And so I think that also was really helpful. I definitely wish that I had had something to shorten the process as far as learning how to market and how to create that messaging because my messaging really truly was all over the place. And I was all over the place testing out different types of messaging and what I wanted to say and what I wanted to create which again is kind of why I wrote this book so that someone else could could shorten that big period where it took me three years to really get any kind of traction in my business. Maybe someone else could take a year or a year and a half instead. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say you kind of went over that in the first like five chapters. That's like, I would say like year one through two. And then you kind of spread out year, you know, two through five I want to say that's probably like chapters. What 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 I say, six through probably ten, and then yeah. from that, the rest is like the advanced, the advanced methods. You said something there, and what I'm wondering from you is through this whole like six years, right? Is like was there any like downward momentum that happened? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone's business, you have ups and you have downs and you have ups and you have downs and you have ups and you have downs. And that is just 
the nature of owning a business there. You know, a lot of people want to talk about the fact that like, oh, you, I've seen growth year after year after year. And even if you look at a year overall with my revenue numbers, it there is growth year after year. But at the same time, a year is a really long time. And there are months where there are plenty of months in my years where I've had really great years where I had no sales in a month. There are plenty of times where I really felt like shutting the business down. And I think, honestly, I probably have thoughts like that every other month at this point still, even though I am very established. I know what I'm doing. This is my full-time job at this point. I just wrote a book and yet I still have those thoughts. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something that'll just never go away for any entrepreneurs, those thoughts of like, I could go work somewhere else and not have to think and just kind of be a robot. And in the end, none of us actually want that because we are wild enough to choose entrepreneurship. But sometimes there is that allure of like, man, I wouldn't have so much pressure on myself if I wasn't running a business. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to point that out just because I know in the book, like it, like you said, it did show that you were growing over, over time, but I wanted to get that from you. It's like, was there any downward momentum? And then, you know, what you did to kind of switch it and flip it into the forward momentum. Honestly, a lot of that is just sticking it out and just keep moving forward, keep taking the next step. That creating new forward momentum, a lot of times what it is, is it's just the season that you're in. It's just the nature of the environment, the economy, the whatever. Usually it's outside of your control. Maybe this is the other thing about marketing is that when we take a step back with our marketing, for whatever reason, it doesn't harm our business in the moment that we take the step back. It harms our business the next month or two months from now. And so then once we start marketing again, once we start seeing those downward trends, well, it still takes time for that to start working. It's not immediately going to work and see sales, right? And so a lot of times we'll have these times where we see this downward trend and we really have to look back to a month ago or two months ago to see what it was we were doing and not doing and how that affected what's going on now. It's not a, if I stop marketing today, it's going to affect my business and sales today. It's a future issue. And so we really have to keep that in mind with our marketing too, is sometimes we're in one of those downward momentums simply because two months ago we weren't doing the marketing that we needed to be doing. And we're already working our way back up, even though we're only feeling that squeeze now. Yeah, definitely. And then this kind of transitions into this, like we're chapter eight, that whole chapter, and then versus uh, buckets versus themes, which is very interesting because I know a lot of people out there in the space of content creation and content creators push doing buckets versus these themes. So do you want to explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So the content buckets are something that are particularly pushed for social media, like you said. And what it is, is we're taught to, okay, take five different buckets or five different topics that you want to be known for or talk about, and then just rotate through them. Simple social media posts, right? The problem with that is, is that you end up all over the place with your content. And You'll have a post about your clients, maybe like maybe one of your your buckets is client work, and then you'll have a post about motherhood or whatever it may be, and then you'll have a post about something in particular that you really love, whether it's working out or your animals or whatever. You know, you've got all these random buckets, and so then 
if you have a bunch of personal things in there, especially one out of every five posts might be about business and you're not, you're building connections, but you're not letting people know how you can help them. Instead, what I really encourage is out of five posts, have one that's personal. And within that one personal one, then you can use buckets. And so you have these themes where you've got a personal post, an educational post, a tutorial post, an engagement post. And so the themes are helping to build engagement with your audience. They're helping to build that personal connection with your audience. They're helping to educate your audience. They're helping to sell to your audience. And you're able to kind of move through all of these goals that you may have with your social media versus walking just through various topics that kind of don't lead you anywhere. Great explanation. And I think you kind of highlighted it earlier is that we might not see wins from this right away. And that's totally okay. It's three, six months from now where we're going to be seeing that kind of reward from it, ROI, whatever that is to you. I think it's also important to note with social media that it really depends on the platform that you're on and what is going on with that platform at this time. So for example, Instagram, I know a lot of us really don't want to leave Instagram. We don't want to move to threads. We don't want to move to TikTok. We know Instagram and we want to keep using it. And that's fine. But Instagram is no longer a growth platform. And if we expect our content to help our accounts grow, we're going to be really disappointed. At this point, Instagram is not pushing our content because they want us to pay for ads. What you can use Instagram for is connecting with the audience that you already have. Instead of trying to use it to grow, grow, grow like we're used to, it's, okay, how do I connect with the people that are already here? This is my audience. How do I get them over to my long form content? How do I get them onto my email list? How do I sell here? And just recognize that engagement is lower on Instagram. It has tanked. And if we can recognize that and be okay with it, it's a great platform to continue using. But if you're someone who really wants to see a ton of growth through your social media, you need to move over to something like TikTok that's a newer platform and that is going to be pushing content more than Instagram would. Definitely. Yeah. TikTok, I would even say YouTube. YouTube yeah. uh, is strong right now. And I want to say people like they'll ask even with podcasts is like, you know, oh, everyone has a podcast and whatnot, but only a couple of those are publishing every week. And then even after that, a lot of people are just pod fade and they don't even produce. So then I think it's like, there's only 3 million active podcasts out there. 3.2, I believe the last check I, I had on it. And then you mentioned threads and people move there like mass move. And then they were on there consistently. And then I think now it's at a 60% like show up rate right now. So it's like out of, I don't know how many people was on there. I think there's only 8 million active, which is nuts. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just telling you that like, I mean, you say it in your book, you know, just understanding your audience and knowing where, where they are. And then, so you know where to show up. And then yeah. in the beginning of the book, you also discuss like, by knowing that focus on that one thing and go deep with it. Don't go and try to spread yourself too thin everywhere. 
Yeah, absolutely. What you don't want to do is you don't want to listen to this and go, okay, well, I should be on Instagram, but I also need to be on TikTok apparently. And I also need, no, choose one place to show up and let that be your one place to show up, especially if you're someone that's not consistent with that content yet, because what we don't want is to pod fade throughout all of our channels or really any of our channels, which is something that there's an entire section on the book about consistency and the importance of showing up consistently instead of ghosting your audience. And so it's better to show up less places less often and just really be consistent in that one place and connect with your people there versus trying to show up in a bunch of places and just not being able to manage it. Or again, referencing chapters, you know, chapter five, where you talk about leverage growth strategies is like power of collaboration. So, you know, using you make a list, like you said, in the book and going like, okay, who has my audience on YouTube? Who has my audience on podcasts? Who has my audience on Instagram? TikTok, we'll mention that. And then you reach out to those people for collaboration and and seeing like, hey, is there synergy here? You know, Is there a way I can help them and they can help me? Yeah, because while putting out content is a great way to nurture your audience, Like I said, it's not necessarily going to grow your audience. And so in order to see growth, you have to leverage growth strategies. And the best way to do that is through collaborating, through relationships. I mean, look at this right now. You reached out and asked me to be on this podcast. And so I get to come on here and share about the book with your audience, which is really cool. But then vice versa also happens because when the podcast goes live, I share with my audience and they hear about your podcast. And so we both get to leverage that relationship together and get in front of each other's audience. And it's a whole new audience that we're able to get in front of to see that growth. And then, you know, I think you even mentioned it in that same chapter is like, if you're afraid to reach out to those people because, oh, they're so big and whatnot, just start with your friends. Start with your friends that are business owners or you may maybe even like side hustle people, you know, and just start with that. And then you help them and then vice versa, they help you. Yeah, absolutely. Leaning on the relationships that you already have, it really truly is the simplest way because collaborations can sound so scary, but really it's just, it's just hanging out. Honestly, it's just getting together and chatting and, you know, in whatever way, shape or form that may take form, whether it's podcast, YouTube, creating a blog post, something, getting on Instagram live, like you're just connecting with another human being. And that's something we don't do enough of in this online space because we can really isolate ourselves when in reality we need to be using threads, for example, is one where it's really great in particular for making connections with people. That is something that threads is great at. That also partly is its downfall, I think, why people aren't showing up on it as much anymore because there's no drafts, there's no way to create, batch create any kind of content, which makes it difficult to show up consistently. But it's really great to be able to go in and just connect with other people. It's so easy to do that on that app. And that's something we just don't do enough of is we are so focused on what we need to do and we're in our own little offices, in our own little space, whether it's at home or at a coffee shop. And that connection can often be missing, but that connection is the key to growing our businesses. Yeah. Which now, you know, you mentioned content batching. So that was mentioned in chapter 13 about batching content. And you kind of reset my mindset on there, actually, because I think it was 
Quinn, which, okay, I got to ask you, are these real people <laughs> or are they just avatars that you made up? You're like, okay, this is my ideal client avatar. They're avatars that I made up, but they're not, I mean, they're not necessarily like ideal clients. They're just common issues that I've seen okay. students of my course go through. Okay. And so I kind of put them together in like a easy to understand way. I was either like, okay, these are actual clients and these are their actual stories. Cause it, it definitely felt like that. I was like, well, is someone... I've seen this same thing play out over and over and over again with students. Yeah. Okay. So Quinn, mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like creating content and she would go through where she would like batch all say right now you were doing the podcast. So we do all that in one day and then go focus on something else. But you were saying to like spread that out. Yeah. So what we tend to think of when we think of batching is okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record and edit and schedule this podcast. And then I'm going to record, edit and schedule the next one and record, edit and schedule the next one. And at the end of the day, I'll have four podcasts ready to go for next month. That's just creating a bunch of content at one time. That's not actually batching. What we need to do is break that up. So step by step by step. One, there's absolutely no way. So I mean, I guess you could, but I cannot even imagine what that would be like to record, edit, and schedule four different podcast episodes in a single day. That sounds awful and exhausting. But what you can do is you can sit down and say, okay, on day one, I'm going to plan and outline. On day two, I'm going to record. On day three, I'm going to edit and so on and so forth and break it up day by day. And that makes it easier for your brain to process. And it also makes it much faster because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So like with the threads or Twitter, what one thing I was going to do is like one day a month, just waking up in the morning, you know, and and just going through my thoughts and, and just writing all that out, put on Excel and then, Hey, I have like 40 ideas here. Okay. Let's just post that, you know? And with that kind of even in, I want to say it's in the same, no, it's probably in chapter five still of like the practicing your content, you know, and, and just throwing out there, see if it sticks kind of, and it's like, okay, they like this. People were a lot of engagement on it. Now we can turn this into kind of a long form content. Yeah, absolutely. I love to use social media to test content and see if people are interested in it. That's honestly the way my entire business really got started and really like started gaining traction was an Instagram post that I posted about batching out content. And it got so much traction that it was a this light bulb moment of, hmm, I wonder what happened if I posted about that again. And then that one got traction. And I, I thought, okay, let me see about posting about it again. And as they continue to get traction, the more I realized that I had something here. And so not every piece of content is a home run like that, obviously, that helps me create a course and ultimately write a book about it. But I'm able to kind of see, okay, this post in particular got a lot more DMs than I'm used to. And so that's something that I could continue to talk about and kind of bring on, you know, whether it's podcast episodes that I'm creating about it. Maybe I create a series, maybe I create something in my membership about it. It helps me to just kind of, okay, is this messaging something that actually sticks and that people actually relate to? Yeah. I like that. So I want to talk about what if someone is out there listening right now and they're like, Hey, I want to create 2x my regular content, maybe three times x the regular content, you know, just because I want to say content is king. How should they go about that? What would their strategy be kind of behind that? 
I would suggest not to do that, actually. Okay. Um, my suggestion would be until you are consistent, keep it simple. Quality content is going to do so much more for you than just a ton of content. Yes, content is king. But if you put out a ton of content and it's mediocre, it's not going to do you any good. If you put out a ton of content and then you can't keep up with that and you start ghosting your people, it's not going to do you any good. So instead, my suggestion is to scale back and then get in a rhythm where you know you have no problem putting out that content, where you can consistently show up. And then once you're consistent and once you're comfortable, then you can start thinking about adding on to that. But not until you know that, hey, I've got no problem putting out this much content at a time because I'm going to show up for my people. But when you just decide, okay, I'm putting out content, I'm okay with putting it out, I'm going to put out a ton more, that's a recipe for not doing anything for your business and also just wasting a lot of your time, frankly. Got it. So I would say then you're kind of like anti-Gary V. You know, I don't know much about his his teaching. So I I don't know for sure, but your content is not your business is how I feel about it. It is simply a part of your business. It is simply marketing your business. It's not even, it should not even be your entire marketing plan. As I talk about in chapter five, we also have to leverage those growth strategies. And so if you're spending a ton of time creating content, you're not going to be able to have time to move the needle in your business and you're, you're going to stay stuck. So I think Again, another good transition is into chapter seven of talking about the content creator phase. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So the content creator phase is kind of exactly what we're talking about now, right? It's the person who started their business and that's all they're really doing is creating content. They may or may not have clients. They may or may not have offer that they sell. They're most likely working on trying to figure out what that one core offer is and they're spending the majority of their time creating content. So with those people, then how... Because I always get this in the DMs, especially with like... I, I don't know. I call them hobbyists in podcast world. And you know they, they're like, well, I want to monetize it. And then I talk to them and I'm like, well, okay, this is how you monetize it. First, you could either sell the digital real estate that you have to some company, some brand, whatever. Affiliate marketing, right? So getting like links and things of similar companies. And then second, creating that offer and selling your service, you know, and there's so much pushback with that. And I'm, I'm just like, well, what, is, is this what you want? Like, is, is this the goal? Then this is how you do it. What do, yeah. what do you think? What do you think behind that? Oh, I'm interested to know what the pushback you get is, but I would assume that they're probably in that mind space of, I don't have time to do that because I have to create a ton of content. Um, yeah. So the pushback is that like, I don't know, they, it's almost like they just want it to be, I would say, easier to mm. create create an offer, create a service. And I'm yeah. just like, well, what brings you joy? And then, you know, pour into that. Because then when you're showing up every day to go do it, you're not going to be burnt out. Yeah, That's kind of where, where I come from with that. I'm trying to think of some other scenarios, but yeah. Yeah, I think it is. We're told this story that if we just create this offer or just create content, we'll have passive income and never have to work, right? And that's just not the case. It, owning a business is work. Passive income is not passive. That's not, it's not 
a thing. Even when you have offers that are quote unquote passive, they take work because you constantly have to be handling customer service, improving it, making changes, you know, getting feedback and reviews. Like there's all of these different aspects to having different offers. But I think a lot of times, and I started in the content creator phase with my business as well. I was like, I'm going to take a blog and start a blog. And somehow I'm going to turn that into a business. I had no idea how. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even understand marketing at the time. I was just had this vague idea that I was going to turn a blog into a business. And it is so time consuming to figure that stuff out. And part of that comes from creating that content like we've talked about, where you just kind of have to throw spaghetti at the wall and see where is the intersection of what you're passionate about and what your audience wants to hear about and figure that out. And that does take time to kind of move things along and see where that is. But in order to have the time to create the offers, once you figure that out, you cannot be constantly creating content. It cannot be something that you are always doing. And even before you figure out what those offers are going to be, that's the best time to be really starting to build those relationships like we've talked about with other people in your industry. And so that's something that takes time too. And that's where you should be putting in time on these various aspects that will move the needle in your business, not just create a ton of content. Because if you're creating content, but not growing your audience, you're not going to be able to monetize. Great answer. I'm going to send people this episode. Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know in the beginning, you talked a lot about your husband in the book. So like, what is his reaction to all of this now? Cause I don't, I don't know if we really kind of got that. That's a good question. You know, it's funny because I constantly feel like I'm living in this state of disbelief that this is real. There are often times where I will look at him and I'll just go, can you believe that this is our life? Like, can you believe that I actually did it? And I actually I wrote a book. Like what? Like, can you believe that this is actually my full-time income? Can, you know, and I just, I constantly have those moments of, oh my gosh, can this, is this actually real? And then I say things like that to him and he's like, yeah, I can. I believed in you from the start. And I'm just like, oh, that's not the answer I want. I want you to be in disbelief too. But he, he's just so just, accepting of it. It's really funny where he's just like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have said yes if I didn't believe you could do it. And I'm just over here like, I I don't know if I believed I could do it. <laughs> That's awesome that you have that type of support. I think the last thing is like, okay, so this book launched on Amazon and all that, and it's a top one, uh, top 10, I, I believe. Correct? Top one? It was, yeah. Yeah. It, it hit the top 10. And then it was also a number one bestseller for a few days. So... I guess the last thing is asking, like, what do you think led to that? Relationships, 100%. Without a doubt, this book launch would not have gone as well as it did without relationships. I, you know, I leaned really heavily into relationships that I had. You know, I way back, I, from the beginning, when I realized I was writing a book, I started talking about it on social media. And that's something that we tend to want to not share about something until it's done. But I knew that if I wanted this to go well, I needed to get people invested in it from the beginning. So right away, I started sharing about it. And then a few months in, once I had the first draft and I was ready to, to kind of start moving forward with things, I put out a call to my email list for beta readers. And I had 13 amazing people go through and read the beta version and give me feedback. 
And so those 13 people were invested to see what happened and to bring this book to life. I hired so much help with this. I hired a designer to create the cover. I hired editors. I hired my VA help do the interior design. Like there, there's so many people who also put their hands in this book to help bring it to life. And so they were all invested as well. And then I put out a call for a launch team and everyone on the launch team shared, they bought a copy and they shared and made sure to say, Hey, this is the book that I got early access to. And I've already read, and it's really great. You know, I went back to people that I had been on a podcast with before, like you, and was like, hey, I would love to come on again and share more about the book and the premise and all things simplifying marketing so that we can talk about the book and share about it. And most of the people said yes. And so it's it was really leaning on relationships and really leaning on people who I already had a relationship with from whatever way, shape or form from the last six years and saying, hey, can you help? And really just like humbling myself to ask for that help that really made it so successful. That's awesome. I guess the follow-up to that is like, I know we get so busy in our day-to-day as business owners. So how do you keep and keep going to grow those relationships? I try to be really intentional on social media, especially with people that I have relationships with and when they post to stories, especially responding when I see something that I can respond to. And it's not necessarily like business stuff. Usually it's behind the scenes things. I posted today, I was trying to record some videos and my cat was just losing her mind. And so I posted today a video of her just, at one point I asked her, can I please record this? And she meows and it sounds like she says no. And people love that. I always get so many DMs when I share about her. And so it's little things like that. Like I'm responding to people's stories, like that kind of stuff could definitely be better about it. That it is something that I'm always trying to improve on and work on as well. Don't get me wrong. But to me, those small things and those small connection points make such a big difference. But also really trying to get to in-person conferences and events and meeting people face to face. That's something I did not do for entirely too long. Partly because the first couple of years I made $1,100 and couldn't afford to and then the pandemic hit. But now that things are opening back up and I have the funds to be able to do that, that is something that I am really prioritizing is seeing people in person. And also, I wish I had done it from the beginning. I wish I had set money aside for that because meeting face-to-face with people does so much more for you than any of the online stuff. Boom. I would clip that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that I I totally agree with that. I think it makes those bonds that much more deep when you're seeing them in person. And then now you probably have a physical number, you know, and you can text and just check in. And especially because entrepreneurship and being a business owner is very lonely. So sometimes you just need to check in on your pal see how they're doing. Because like we talked about earlier about the downward momentum, sometimes that happens and we just need that inner circle to rely on, say, Hey, this is your mission. And I know the mission. So let's keep going. Absolutely. And you know, I have a handful of that inner circle of those friends that we are, we talk on Boxer every day and those relationships formed because we had things in common that had nothing to do with business. And so We would talk about business, but then also we would get sidetracked and start talking about Disney or our favorite TV show or Taylor Swift. 
And the those relate like that's what we talk about on Voxer mostly. It's not even business stuff usually, but when we do talk about business stuff, we're there to support each other. And it is really nice to just have those relationships. Awesome. All right. So you know we're towards the end of the podcast and we've done this before with you. So we buzz out these things called pod ducks. And this segment of the podcast is actually sponsored by my own business, NC Podcast Productions. So where we help you launch a podcast from idea to launch. And even if you need your podcast help, you know, production, marketing, anything like that, we can handle it. So if that's you, hit the link in the show notes and we'll get you handled. All right. So this one, I don't feel like we've asked you before and it's just off the cuff just because I know you're a big Disney fan. Hey, I could have any ask a T-Swift question here too <laughs> on this. But so knowing your business, where it is now, what Disney character would describe your business? Oh my goodness. That's so hard. I want to say Tiana because I love her so much. Um, because I relate to her entrepreneurial spirit. But I don't know if that like really like was like, oh, right now in my business, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I don't know. Got it. I, I mean, I like the Seattle one. Uh, that's one of our, our favorites. I mean, the beignets and all that. Uh, yeah. Love the South. All right. So what is a lesson that you learned as a kid that still applies today? As like to my business or to? Eh, whatever. Let's see it. I mean, this is going to sound so silly, I feel like, but keeping track of what actually needs to get done. I went through a long period of time in end of elementary school, early middle school, where I never wrote down what my homework was. And so I never did my homework. And I got in a lot of trouble for that. And so I started using a planner to actually write down what needed to get done. And it made such a difference. And to this day, if I don't write something down, it's not happening. I don't, I don't know what that is about me, but if I'm not writing it down, it's not happening. And so whether it's business or even just like personal things, there's a whole checklist on my calendar right now of things I need to get done before the end of today. Um, and a lot of times I'll put silly things on my checklist, like take the trash out. But if I don't write it down, it's not happening. So I guess the follow-up question to that is what happens when something doesn't get done on that checklist? Um, it gets pushed off until the next day. Huh? Okay. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering because, you know, sometimes we get mentally like, ah, you know. Absolutely. Sometimes if it's something that can reasonably be removed, it gets removed. But usually it's just like, okay, well, I'll try to fit that in sometime tomorrow, I guess. Perfect. And I think it's a good lead into the next question. Last one. When you think of mental health, what do you think of right away? I I am a very an anxious person. Um, so that that's what I think of is, you know, the pills that help. So, okay. Aside from the pills, what else <laughs> helps you with your mental health? There we go. We'll go with that. <laughs> okay. So okay for mental health. Um, being outside is a big one. Yes. It, that's... that's something where today, for example, it's almost 3 p.m. and I haven't had a chance to go outside yet. And I can just like kind of feel myself crawling out of my skin a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, normally I take like a lunch break walk or a morning walk or I, I'm able to get outside for a little bit. And when I'm just stuck in my office, my body needs that fresh air for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel that. And that's when like, so days like today in California where it's overcast, I'm like, man, I, or for some reason it's humid. Like I just need so the sun. The sun needs to come out. Come on, man. Yeah. The sun and just 
I, man, there's just something about being like the openness, I think for me is a big one of just not feeling so closed into one room. And the fresh hair, you're just able yeah. to breathe and you're like, yeah. And the, and the birds and the, the cicadas, I don't know if you guys have cicadas there, but like no, I love don't. the sound they make. Um, I know they freak a lot of people out, but I love that noise. Um, it's noisy in the South. We've got a lot of bugs. And so they make a lot of noise and there's just something soothing to me about that. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, when I used to walk when I was in New Orleans or Louisiana, yeah. I, w- I would love that. Uh, but in the Bayou area, mm-hmm. just because it's just very soothing. Yeah. I feel like, and you just hear that and you're like, this feels nice. Yeah. It, it's something that we used to live in Washington state and they have no bugs there. They have like spiders and that's it. And that was something we would come back and I would just kind of like, I, I don't realize I missed this, but I really miss this. It's a, I don't know. I like the sound of it. All right. So I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. So for the listeners that resonated with your message and they're like, Hey Amanda, one, I want to buy your book. And then two, I want to work with you. How can they do that? Go to Amazon and just search Chasing Simple Marketing and you'll find the book. Uh, it's a blue cover and it's by Amanda Warfield. And then if you're interested in learning more about working together, you can go to amandawarfield.com. Perfect. And then for listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe for more. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.